Welcome to the Sexy Writers Union, where can we talk about libraries for a second and how awesome (laughs) libraries are and how arousing libraries are? (laughs) Great hands on that library. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, like hearing that echo and then hearing it come back and pulling books (laughs) off the shelves, you know, like you do. Mm. (laughs) So I just went to the, uh, you know, Seattle Library and found that not just one, but two of my things I'd put on hold had come in, and one of them was this gigantic, like, three-inch thick (laughs) leather-bound compilation of the Sandman, and it makes me feel things. That's a good thing. I haven't actually been to a library here. Like, I've got like like an online account where I can just get e-books and stuff, but I actually haven't been to the physical library yet. You should do that. How long have you I been see. there? It's been well, since August, so it's been a while. Okay, I've got, yeah, you're I, well, the thing is, see, I've got like a really huge used bookstore, like a mile from me. And it's just, it's like a border sized <clears> bookstore. <throat> so I get everything there. I mean, anything I need is there. So that's where I go to peruse. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's excusable. Anyways, I'm joined today by Gary and Chris. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, Kyle. Uh, I had to remember to introduce you, otherwise we'd forget. <laughs> By we, <laughs> I assume you mean you. We've done this whole podcast, and I don't yet know who I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I have this name tag on my chest, so that I don't forget my name. It's not for you. That's <laughs> not for you. That's why it's upside down. So, uh, I think Gary Gary came up with a topic this time in that uh, you wanted to talk about collaborative writing. Yes. Yes, I did. So, since you came up with the topic, how about you start the discussion? <laughs> hey, Gary, I know you had a question about something, which is exactly I want, why I want you to come up with the answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how writing works. You know how this works. There's yeah. no way to do it right. You just got to come up with it. All right. So, I've mentioned this uh, a few times that I was starting this project uh, with a a couple of other writers called, well, at least for now, called Stories for Monsters. And um, I'm curious about people's different processes with that and what they might have to suggest. Because while you can write in groups, it's, it's another thing to, you know, actually collaboratively work on a piece. Um, and I mean, I've had a few ideas, uh, concerning this, so, you know, whether we try and all write little things and then braid them together, whether we, uh, take turns, uh, writing and editing, I just, I just, you know, kind of want to, kind of want to peruse my options and see what, uh, what there is to, to work with. Well, I think I, okay, uh, well, I think I mentioned when we were talking, uh, I think it was yesterday, the whole uh, the way the people who write Night Vale do it is, you know, they there's two writers and they take turns writing and editing. So, uh, you know, the even episodes, I don't know, like who does what, but like the even episodes is going to be Joseph Fink and then Jeffrey Craner will edit those and then it's vice versa for the odd episodes or whatever. Hmm. And, and it seems like an effective idea to me. I haven't done a lot of, you know, collaborative yeah. myself. And that's a way of not just trading off, but actually both collaborating on the same piece that doesn't get into, like, really messy territory where you're both trying to write, you mm. know, doing the first draft together. Like, you know, you write a paragraph and I write a paragraph. I can't ever see that working very well. Or or both trying to, you know, agree on 
on every sentence. You know, I just I can't ever see that working. So I think any kind of collaborative writing has to be, in essence, some kind of a trade-off. Mm-hmm. The you know there is there is one kind of thing like that that I think can work, Chris, and that is each uh, writer having control of a character. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we've we've explored that idea too. Um, that can that actually bring. I could see that bringing some really interesting, <clears throat> well defined character dynamics to play too. I that's how a lot of video game studios do it. I know Bioware at least used huh. used to do that for Mass Effect. I don't know how they do it now, but I did not they, know that <laughs> until they got the end of Mass Effect Three and they said, "Give it to the monkeys." <laughs> but yeah, I. Uh, I have some experience with doing, you know, like text-based role plays, where you know, again, each of us would create a character. Normally, one person would kind of also be in charge of the the greater narrative, like yeah. the plot, and so they'd be kind of the narrator. Uh, but yeah, yeah. All right. Let me. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do my best to to try and tell um, what we're kind of aiming for with this, and and. Uh, what the situation is so that hopefully we can we can tailor mm-hmm. this a little more i don't know um so the idea is that we're trapping people and then we're separating people uh and they're going to all develop in different ways and so that's why we've kind of leaned toward uh taking you know and letting one person you know deal with one side and one person deal with the other side the issue is that we also want to frequent guest writers. Kyle, I know you just, just grinned there a little. So <laughs> just wipe it off of your face right now. <laughs> no, it's um, not so much a grin as much as my mouth, like my lips are just open, revealing my <laughs> sterling fang-like teeth. No, but um, yeah, anyway, that's, that's what we want to do. And so we're trying to balance out, okay, how are we going to balance uh, maybe maybe our own regular foci and uh of course you know maintain something for guest people to work on in their own original way uh that's you know that's that's proving to be more challenging because the idea was okay you take one group of people or whatever i'll take the other group of people and we can both do our own thing and we'll see how that works because that's that's regular that's something we can work with but when you Mm -hmm. add another person into the mix it's like okay how do we how do we redistribute uh, everything? <laughs> I have an idea. <clears throat> Hit me. I actually have an idea. Okay, so you know how Night Vale. Each episode generally fits the same kind of news broadcast format, except every once in a while they will just break formula entirely and come up with something completely new. As maybe you should encourage guest writers to do something like that where it, it's still within the same world but it's yeah. a completely different style within the same universe even <laughs> mm-hmm. this is actually um this is turning out to be an an expansive thing so i'm i'm excited with it yeah that might be a thing and it might of course you know make sure that we always have the color or flavor that we need to to make sure that we can keep it going and not have anything uh basically not not paint ourselves into any corners I wonder if you could you could set up. I mean, I, I'm not knowing, of course, what the the setting and the story and everything are like. Could you perhaps set up some sort of situation where a character would be taking on personality traits temporarily that was not his own? You know, let's <laughs> go full on comic book corny. Somebody gets hit on the head, and, on, and all of a sudden they don't know who they are. And that you know, 
gives an excuse for the guest writer to write that character and still have their own voice. Kill your family. Kill your family. Kill if you your want to go family. that far with it, sure. Sorry, that's a D&D reference. <clears throat> sort of. <laughs> it's a reference that I just realized that no one out there and only two of the people here will actually understand and appreciate. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> kind of like, like the th- kind of threatening, sort of. <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, don't worry, this kill your family thing. It's just a joke, sort of. All okay, just well, a joke. To explain the joke, it's uh, in a D and D campaign that uh, Gary and I were in at one point. My character uh, frequently got possessed, and it gave me like, but I, I still had control over the character because I was trusted enough to like, okay, now just do your character, but possessed. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Dio? Is it Meredith? Yeah. Is it a weird concoction of both? No one knows. But roll we'll to find, find out. out. Together. Yeah. So so, um, I mean, there there is some. Like it, that that could work. I don't think you could pull that off. Like with every yeah, time you have that a guest writer, a regular thing. Oh look, yeah. it's Tuesday. It's time for Johnny to be possessed again. <laughs> it's an amazingly regular demon. <laughs> Sup? <laughs> hey guys, I'm back. <laughs> hey, have you fixed uh, Have you fixed the toilet yet? I was I was thinking of you know cursing that thing again. If you know what I mean. <laughs> It was particularly demonic in there last time I went. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So many puns, puns have happened in this podcast, and now it is forever tainted. No, but I like describing the toilet mess as, as demonic. That maybe something I'd take up. <laughs> you should. You should. You definitely should. Do not go in there. It's a hellhole. <laughs> but don't. <laughs> I would rim shot, but I don't think I got even that close. That's that's great. Yeah, I am. Um, well, another thing. <clears throat> oh, you first, Gary. On the subject of puns, <laughs> this is a tangent. <laughs> or they demonic trips to the bathroom. Well, we had um, I went with a with a choir to Ireland, and we and we toured. And you know, you can get most places, um, in Ireland basically, you know, in the in the course of a day, uh, but. That doesn't make that that doesn't make it any less boring to you know ride a tour bus <laughs> everywhere for hours, and so yeah, I kind of liked it when I went. Well, I'm an idiot, Kyle, and it didn't end <laughs> well. So shut up and listen to the story. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I was I was stuck in there with a few people, you know, uh, some less savory than others, but that's that's not the point. Um, the point is that we started this massive pun war. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's bad enough as it is. A pun war is always, you know, going to be terrible. And what do you base the pun war on? What you look outside and see. Hmm. For those of you who don't know, what you see outside in Ireland is relatively the same no matter where you go. <laughs> a lot of green and uh, livestock. Primarily sheep. And I, I, I just, I found out just how many sheep puns that you can make. <laughs> That's hey, bad. Over the, cor- <laughs> <laughs> over the course of, I want to say, four hours straight with no breaks. 
At least you weren't in Wales. There are literally more sheep there than people. <laughs> <laughs> Wales so, is kind of so. like the Ireland of the main British island. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you just angered a lot of Welsh people. <laughs> I think he angered a few more people than the Welsh. But that's... Yeah. The Scottish are like, you know, I don't believe in this. Anything to do with me? <laughs> Just stay down I was, there. I, I was going to wrap it back into collaborative writing in that a lot of <laughs> comics, just by their very nature, are um, are collaborative. That's true. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, like, mine isn't because it's just me doing the drawing <laughs> and the writing. But, you know, a, a lot of these things, you know, there's a separate writer, and then there's not only, like, a separate artist, but multiple separate artists, because there's a penciler yeah. and then an inker and then... Someone doing the letters. They have people called letter letterers who do the letters <laughs> in comic books, and they all have to work together. And um, you know, there's a lot of different ways it can be done. Because you know, like I know Neil Gaiman kind of wrote a loose script, uh, kind of, and let the artist kind of mm-hmm. play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's how it's done a lot of ways. I personally like I kind of come up with the art and the action first, and then I put the script in, which I don't think that's really effective. I need to find a way, new way to do that. <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. how I do it. It <clears throat> sucks. It's terrible. Don't do it this way. I really should find a way to do it. <laughs> I, I have self-esteem issues with my comic. <laughs> Just no, with the comics? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, I mean, that's actually two sort of structural approaches to collaborative writing is is are all the people collaborating doing the same type of thing or are they all doing complementary types of things of course in the comic world like you're talking about it's all complementary so I think it lends itself really well to what you're doing there um, in the collaborative thing of course they just end up killing each other because they have different <laughs> different views but I wonder like even in, in the complementary type of system you know when do you decide who, who gets to really set the tone of this piece because they can because one person could write a script, and another person could could ink it in such a way that it, it completely counters, you know, what's going on. Or the colorist probably, especially. Like, what if it's like a really dark, down and dark? Oh, my heart got ripped out again, and the colorist just makes everything pink. You know, <laughs> it's like like somebody you're having a tone war there, and who gets to win? <laughs> who gets to decide? You know, who gets to decide who gets to win? And how do you? Because eventually, it's going to be a point where you disagree on what should be. Yeah the tone of this frame or where things are going and then then you get to decide like well who's who's the most important influencer of this piece and I think eventually there's going to be somebody having a voice saying you know this piece while everybody else is collaborating on it this is my piece you know this is I'm the I'm the director of this piece if you want to put it that way mm-hmm. even if they're you know allowing yeah. other voices at the table yeah um that that is that is a really big problem actually with what I've got because I don't I personally don't uh, don't want to claim as much credit for it. I mean, mm-hmm. admittedly, I've put a lot into it, but we we're we're kind of taking a lot from all of our respective creative graveyards and taking bits and pieces and uh, working them in. Uh, I'm kind of taking a lead role in, in that. This is part of a universe. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm the first one who's actually put out pieces of that universe uh, first, and so mm-hmm. and, and that was on my own. So like, kind of finding a balance with that. Um, as for things that I've seen in terms of tone wars, I mean, that they can get ugly. Um, if you can work it right, though, it can be really cool. 
Um, you know, there was honestly Gary. Well, like oh. a lot of what that has to do with, and this is a thing which is group projects in general. It's not necessarily collaborative writing, but when you're working in close quarters, there. I guess the best way to put it is leaders tend to emerge. <laughs> and I feel like you have one of those personalities where, like, at least combined with some of the people, like, how oh, you're doing with Lauren and Eric, right? Primarily. Well, it's primarily Eric. I think Lauren is just going to be the most frequent guest, and she's going to contribute a lot. But I right. don't think she wants to technically be, a, you know, a, a main person in it, just because she doesn't right. want to, you know. All right, because... I, again, I just, I feel like with those two particular people, you would just kind of naturally end up dominating <laughs> whether it was the best thing or not. <laughs> Do I know Eric? Um, You might have met him once. No. No, I oh. don't think you do, because I've wanted you guys to meet. Um, I think it would be incredibly interesting <laughs> to have you two talk. I think it was Eric that, I, that was in one of my class. Was he blonde? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. Okay. I mean, I just because I'm I'm probably going to lead the charge doesn't mean that I, I I want to disrespect their stuff because obviously they have a ton to bring to the table. Um, my problem is, of course, that we're talking about writing, uh, mm-hmm. and it's and it's you know it it's it's a bit more difficult in that in that you know you only have that one thing to. Uh, to change and to work on whereas at least with with comics for example since we have that topic already you do have different people working on different things and they have to collaborate to make it all come together but you know at least they're actually doing different things uh in terms of what we're doing we're thinking you know we have our we have our writing and that's the big thing and you know i'll i'll probably work to get work maybe with lauren and, and stuff on the uh on on music of it and we'll all voice it and stuff but that's you know after the writing itself is done and that's you know that's that's one focal point instead of instead of several what would be sort of interesting I think just uh, maybe sort of comparing this to like a D&D campaign approach what if you had like a scene in which two characters who were being written by two separate people with their own voices etc had to interact with each other I don't think how you do that. Would one person get to write the other character that scene, or vice versa? But what if you had someone say, just think of like a dialogue chain, you know, character one being written by author one. Yeah. He has things in his own head that he's writing that author is writing, and only that author can see what he's writing at the time, but then he has his character say something or do something. And anything his character does openly or outwardly is visible to the other author. So yeah. character one might write a page of inner dialogue, but then he writes one line of actual dialogue, and he gives that line of actual dialogue to the other author, and then the other author has to decide, okay, this is what's happened, how's my character going to react to this? That would be mm-hmm. interesting to see at, like, the same scene written from two different perspectives. <laughs> I've, uh, I've already started playing with that, too. <laughs> um, There's also... There was, oh. there, was this, there was this exercise that we did um, that I came up with, and I basically gave myself... Eric and Lauren this prompt and we're all in this same place mm-hmm. uh, and we're all experiencing this same prompt and then you know we all just go off and write it on our own hmm. so we all start with our own character uh, here and knock in the woods what happens what does your character do and we're gonna kind of 
you know, assume that the rest of the people are there and, you know, see where we can join it and then we'll braid it. And of course, you know, naturally as the story goes on and we have the characters and we know how they interact, then, you know, we can tailor what they're doing in any situation more toward the entirety of the group uh, as well as having the strength of the individual. But, yeah, I've I've, I've worked with that and, and just thinking of how that process would go uh, is, is troubling because, you know, Obviously, you you want, you know, a lot of the writing to be good and to work together and stuff. And, and seeing, you know, what's going to be cut, what's not going to be cut. Uh, how are you actually going to conjoin all of these things? Who is going do, to conjoin them? Uh, yeah, who, you, what you could do is maybe have, have everybody do that for every single scene of the, you know, the book, the story, whatever. So essentially having three people write their own version of the story in which the other people are deciding how their own characters interact with that person's character. And at the end, of course, you say, well, this chapter is from this character's perspective. And so you use their perspective for that chapter or vice versa. And that I guess that, that's probably the most realistic, you know, which is not always what you want in fiction, but it's probably the most realistic approach to, to developing real characters and real character interactions the way people actually react to each other because that's what's happening in that situation. That might work. That might work. Um, the biggest thing that I worry about with uh, with this technique is uh is just again how much of the other two writers uh how much of their work is just going to be flushed down the drain uh, <laughs> after that yeah there's also the technique that um whenever two characters are like two different writers characters are interacting one writer you know writes how the conversation goes and then the other writer comes in and then just edits the dialogue so that it makes more sense for that character. Mm. Of yeah, course, that just, requires yeah. collaboration on what actually happens in the scene. But, so take yeah. turns with direction, basically. Mm -hmm. Kind of, yeah. It's almost, yeah. almost like the editing approach, but a little bit more hands-on than that. I think I like that one. Right That's probably, probably the most efficient way of doing it. Probably the, probably the most peaceful way of doing it, too. Yeah, that's, that, I think that's probably... That's probably the safest way. And I think it would still produce uh, something coherent with still well-defined characters, too. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, if the characters are distinct enough, and I'm not sure they will be for your thing, but, like, I'm pretty sure, I and I, I don't know this, I don't know this for a fact, but, like, uh, I know one writer or the other on Night Vale came up with the faceless old woman, and I'm pretty sure they can both write her just because of how the talks <laughs> are so wildly different from how... You know, the protagonist talks. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now we're all pondering. <laughs> then there's... Uh, I'm sure it's like the same with Hiram McDaniels. I mean, how can you not write the five-headed dragon <laughs> with five very distinct personalities? I mean, it's... <laughs> we've, we've gotten really off track. <laughs> yes, we have. All right, um... All right, I, I'm, I'm, I, I've admittedly kept this very focused on what I'm doing. Um, I don't, I don't actually know how much collaborative work uh, you guys have done. I mean, I can't recall ever the biggest, done. <clears throat> the biggest collaborative work that I've had, at least right here, is um, honestly just doing the, the thing with the late letters and having, uh, having you do the artwork, Kyle. But other than that, I mean, like anything that came, that there's, there's nothing that really you know, fully came to fruition. Um, other than, you know, little, little tiny exercises with poems or something. 
Nothing no, there was that. Serious. For me, there was that Hemingway project which I conceptualized and then completely dropped the ball on. And I still like, wake up. <laughs> yeah. I wake up in the middle of the night just feeling guilty None about how badly, how badly I dropped the ball. I on remember that. that. Hold on, I'm gonna. Well, don't. No, hold don't. On, but I feel so bad. <laughs> I, I, oh god! But I need to know. I don't even remember what mine was. Oh, you got one of the good ones. I did okay. get one of the good ones. Some, some of the, okay. More background information for the audience. Uh, so I was reading Hemingway's A Farewell to Arms, and in the back of my copy was a bunch of he- like Hemingway's notes on like chapter on a uh, different titles for that book. And there were like 42 of them. And they were all like, okay, not all, but most of them were pretty fantastic. And I had this idea <laughs> that I'd just send it out to a bunch of writers and everyone would write a short story or a poem like um, I, uh, based on one of those titles. And we'd put it up together in an anthology. And it's, it's still a great idea. Except, you know, I got some people interested and I sent out the titles. And then some shit happened. I got really depressed and stuck in Evansville for a few months and just never, <laughs> never got back to people. Hey, and it was... It became one of those things where I was like, it had been so long since I, like, connected with people about it that it almost would have felt embarrassing to do it at all. Yeah, I haven't done anything that. with it, but I still got, I think I've still got the title you gave it. Yeah, I, I still have the list of what everyone got. So we'll just... You were going to say something, Gary? Oh, well, yeah, I, I found the initial document. That you uh that you sent out to us. Yep. Do you want me to do you want me to read that? <laughs> I think it was written <laughs> by Christmas or something, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it was. Something like that. God, I feel so bad about this. <laughs> oh, like it's I want I, I the reason I would is, offer reading it is so that people outside can know what the project was and have a list of the things uh, that they were. If you can't fine. if you don't want to, that's okay. It's not I like do it. It's not like we didn't all it. drop our end of the ball too. Yeah, everyone. Not that balls have different ends. But. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna read part of it uh, that explains the project itself, uh, and then I'll read the titles because oh my god, some of Hemingway's titles are great. <clears throat> all right, the project. Everyone should basically know the gist of the project at this point, but here are some specifics since everything is good to go now. Everyone will be receiving two titles at random from the 42 in the list. I assigned each title a number and used a random number generator to divvy up the titles so none of these have been picked out specifically for anyone. Uh, let's see. I don't... Yeah, so basically, um, we each only got, you know, a, a couple of titles and we could take more if we wanted to. Um, that was the gist of it, that first paragraph. Uh, let's see if I can find some of these. I'm gonna read... I'm going to read the titles, too, because funsies. Let's see. The titles... Oh, I didn't even explain what we were actually doing with the project. Basically, we took the title. We, I think we'd, what, give it the same title or just use it as a prompt? Or I don't think we ever decided it had to be one way or the other. I don't know. Anyway, the titles are as follows. One, Love and War. Two, Sorrow for Pleasure. Three, Late Wisdom. Four, The Enchantment. Five, if you must love. Six, world enough and time. Seven, in praise of his mistress. Eight, every night and all. Nine, of wounds and other causes. Ten, the retreat from Italy. 
11 as others are. 12, love is one fervent fire. 13, kindle it without desire. 14, a world to see. 15, patriots progress. 16, the grand tour. 17, the Italian journey. 18, the world's room. 19, disorder and early sorrow. 20, an Italian chronicle. 21, the time exchanged. 22, death and once dead. 23, they who get shot. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of my favorites. I was waiting for one of the really fun ones. Uh, Let's see. 24, the Italian experience. 25, love in Italy. 26, the sentimental education. Ah, this is the good one. This is the good one. 27, I have committed fornication, but that was in another country. And besides, the wench is is dead. (laughs) That was the one you got. That's the one that I got. Um, let's see. I'm just going to finish these out because I'm almost done with them. 28, Education of the Flesh. 29, The Carnal Education. 30, Sentimental Education of Frederick Henry. Uh, 31, Thing That Has Been. 32, Nights and Forever. 33, In Another Country. In Another Country, and besides. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 34, Knowledge Increaseth Sorrow. 35, The Peculiar Treasure. 36, One Event Happeneth to Them All. 37, one thing for them all. 38, nothing better for a man. 39, time of war. 40, the world's room. 41, one thing is certain. 42, the long home. And that's all. Excellent. But, yeah, I got... Speak poorly of me that I think half of those sound like James Bond movies. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, you're right. You're right, yeah. No, they do. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. I I got... The one with, you know, fornication, another country, wench is dead, all that. Uh, I don't remember the other one I got. <laughs> I got, I Re- got... Re- Wisdom and Long Home, which are not bad. And they're, and they're general enough you can do something with. Yeah, I got... I know I got the Italian Journey. I can't remember what my other one was. Mm. But I, I knew what I was going to do with the Italian Journey. Uh, and that was... I was going to do someone else's Italian Journey of like a... You know, guy gets a crush on a girl, she goes on a trip for Italy and then finds her, you know, future husband there. <laughs> and he's still, like... He's still like, <laughs> Just alone. Did, uh... Please, so, please so basically, another autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me that Trey got They Who Get Shot. No, Trey got um, Nothing Better for a Man and Time of War, I think. Oh, uh, but it would have been fun. <laughs> I can't remember who got They Who Get Shot. I don't yeah, know some either. of these, some of these were not concocted sober. <laughs> some of these were written when Hemingway was drunk. Yes, I mean actually, if you look at the uh, like the actual notes, some of them were just scribbled out. <laughs> <laughs> His saying was, um... "Write drunk, write drunk, edit sober." Yeah, yeah, so yeah that didn't that. work out too well for his life, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's saying. why I don't drink. Of course, it didn't. Yeah, that's, that's why I, you don't do it. But it makes for an so interesting many, uh, autobiography. Yeah, why do we keep taking advice from drunks who ended up killing themselves? At some point <laughs> you say, you know what? Don't do what that guy did. Yeah. See, that's why I don't drink, because it fits so many writer stereotypes as it is. I don't want to become a depressed, <laughs> suicidal drunk, too. Well, see, I have to I have to believe that there's there's a happy medium between, you know, being able to enjoy things... And just not taking it that far. 
Well, the Bible yeah. actually puts it a good way. It says essentially, you know, you can drink but don't get drunk. I, mean, I think it's probably a good one. Mm-hmm. See, I go to a lot of, um, like, drinking draws and things like that where I work on my comic. And, uh-huh. like, normally it's fine, but then you get some people who do get just a little, <laughs> a little wasted. Just, just a little Drink and drink and drink and draw. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I don't enjoy hanging around with drunk people. Nobody it's does. It's just not fun for yeah, me. No, nobody does. Okay. Nobody does except other drunk people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yeah. Then everything gets really funny all of a sudden, and uh, and then you know. really, really sad. <laughs> but yeah, now there was this one at one time when I was at a drink and draw, and um, someone was giving some like, okay, all critique, all critique is worth something, even if it's stupid critique. <laughs> there are no. There are no dumb questions, only dumb realities. Anyways, uh, so this really drunk guy was giving some pretty, like, not accurate critique on my work. And then, like, the the leader of the kind of writing group, he just looks at me, like, when the other guy is, like, looking down at my drawing and not paying attention. And the leader of the group just looks at me and just starts, like, motioning his hand up as if, like, drinking something. <laughs> and then points. And, like, just nod. <laughs> Like, if you ever get published someday, just, like, treat your editor like that. I don't have to listen to you. You're drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It was like some teetotaling 60-year-old woman. I don't have to listen to you. You're sloshed. I think I've mentioned on a, um, uh, in an earlier episode that, uh, like, at one of my critique groups for my, you know, novel, there's one guy in the room who... It took him way too long to realize he just wasn't the target audience for my story. Mm-hmm. And thus all the critique he gave was kind of like it was always a left field because he wanted the story to be something it just wasn't and was yeah. never going to be. You know, At the same time, that critique is still worth something because it lets me know what that type of person will think of my story. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, I'm not going to homogenize my story to appeal to all readers, but it's at least good to know what all readers will think of it. And it gives you some ideas just where to go with other stories, too, because it tells you the kind of a story that another perspective is, is thinking of. You know, like what, what kind exactly. of story is another person getting into? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I not aiming at? <laughs> <laughs> but if I was aiming, this is how I would hit it. <laughs> exactly. Part of me does want to uh, go back and try and do something with the Hemingway project again, but at the same time, it feels like it's been so long now that going back to it would just be kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I feel like J.R.R. Martin, you know, his whole thing, like, well, it's been so long since I worked on my novel, I might as well yeah. not anymore. Might as well not anymore. I'm going to go get a get a cap and grow a beard and pretend like I did write that Hemingway story. But I don't know. I wonder if he's what Hemingway would have turned into if he had survived. Oh my god. Because <laughs> if you look at him, I mean, it's just, you know what? I can see that. I can't see that. I wonder if anyone's really ever sad. put a side by side picture of these people. <laughs> Let's like start like some kind of internet rumor like Hemingway didn't actually die. He just started writing fantasy. <laughs> he just got. Yeah, no, well. <laughs> he got huge and started <laughs> he... writing fantasy. Well, see, like. As far as collaborative goes, like, I, I always. I keep wanting to do something fully collaborative, but like the. I, the the opportunity hasn't really presented itself yet. I mean, like, I feel like if I was still in Indiana, I would have been a perfect fit for helping out with your little podcast thing. But oh, far yeah. away as I am, like, sure. I, I I I do want to like I I do want to be one of those guest writers. 
and I think I have some ideas, but you know, <laughs> I need to be in the. I think that's I a, that's probably a good way of starting to get into that kind of thing, the guest writing thing. You know, take somebody else's established, you know, controlled story, and just do a, a little episodic, you know, guest chapter or guest character or something, and that kind of thing. I think would be a good intro into collaborative writing. So basically, make fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, in a way, except it's actually. <laughs> You know, it's officially yeah, canon. No. It's incorporated into the piece. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Garrett, I think... Did I tell you about the idea I had? Because you were talking about, you know, wanting to build, you know, a bigger uh, relationship with your audience. And I started thinking, mm-hmm. like, what if there was... What if a writer for something did a fan fiction contest and whoever had the best fan fiction would get to actually work on making an episode? You didn't bring that up, but uh, I'm I'm just gonna... yeah. Go ahead and scramble for a piece of paper and write that down. <laughs> I mean, like, I think it's a good God idea. Oh, it, it usually takes a few years for something to gain any sort of fan fiction following. But I'm just going to, I'm just, I, I can't find any paper. I'm just going to email it to myself because I'm sitting in front of a computer. And you don't even necessarily have to have the, the fan write it. You could have the fan come up with a storyline or something, and then you write it. Mm-hmm. You know, we still get some control. And I think a lot of fans would like that anyway because they don't have the confidence to write their own piece or they don't have confidence in their own writing. But they still think, I would like to see them write a story about X or about Y. And that way they just give you the X or the Y and you run with it. Yeah. And some thoughts. Um, Gary's in a way, microphone is so good, I can hear his pen on the paper. <laughs> you know... Uh, Fan fiction itself is kind of collaborative writing in a way, in, in a yeah. weird kind of one-sided way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like the same way a stalker is actually in the relationship with the person he's stalking. You know? <laughs> We're actually dating, she just doesn't know it yet. Oh my god. <laughs> you took it there. Of course <laughs> he took it there. Where else is he going to take it? Yeah. I do want to get some kind of collaborative thing going. and You know, podcast does, like, it's it's a blow like it's a medium that's kind of blowing up right now and i can't tell that's a good or bad reason to try and get into it um i mean like i tried doing this like i I set this up not like as a collab writing thing but because partially because i wanted to keep in touch with all my you know old (laughs) writing buddies uh but also because i wanted just something to release even if no one's listening to it (laughs) (laughs) um but you know again something storyline would be fascinating and that that said, I'm I am kind of booked on projects right now, at least until I finish my novel. But because keeping up with my novel and and of the slide is yeah, it's a little it's much. taking all of my free time. Yeah. Also, the whole working and eating and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but those things are optional. <laughs> oh yeah, completely. <laughs> I sacrifice for my art, like dinner. <laughs> just just um, all of it. Just it's not important. But, you know, if I can't get my novel finished, definitely I think I want to look at something collaborative for a next possible project. It's, it's nice uh-huh. to switch gears after something like that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of, like, I, I storyboard with Trey a lot about possible um, ideas for video games and things like that. Um, so that might be something in the future as well. I remember writing, not writing, but making stuff with a friend in preschool for Mega Man. Like, we actually drew out entire levels and bad guys and stuff like that. Like, we created the whole game just, you know, just visually. 
We had no conception of the fact there was actually code behind it. I did the same thing with Pokemon, actually. I made my own Pokemon version. <laughs> you ever um, RPG Maker? I have it, actually. I just haven't really... Um... Like, I used to play around with it, like, in the like the old-school SNES graphics era. Yeah. It's, it's more of a kind of... Oh, well, the RPG Maker is more in a... Um, I'd call it, like, a Game Boy Advance or DS graphics era uh-huh. setup now. And I have messed with it, and I do. I kind of want to do something with it. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a few things I've kind of had in mind, and like making a video game would be interesting. I, a friend, actually, uh, another friend, talked to me about maybe doing a kind of visual novel thing, mm-hmm. um, which is you know it's it's a video game in, you know, kind of air quotes where. There's a little bit of gameplay, but it's mostly just yeah. making choices in the narrative. And uh, he was kind of expressing interest in collaborating in something like that, and that'd be that'd be fun. Um, I don't exactly know what we do, and I like I, I don't know much about his writing style, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, it's been a long time since I've seen any of his work. Um, but you know, that'd, that'd be an interesting project. I've kind of also thought about like my first novel turning that into a medium other than a novel because mm-hmm. I almost feel like it would be better suited in in my skill set if it were say a video game or a comic yeah because uh, I, I at least with my hard writing I, I try and be a bit more contemplative than that story in that novel is yeah it depends on the story uh, it's hard to imagine sometimes with stories as being anything like Anything so active or engaging as a video game, mm-hmm. even even like a comic book, maybe instead like a, a set of a set of paintings or something, you know, not because a lot of times you're writing just to to create a certain tone or a certain color, mm-hmm. and I think you can do that more visually. You just skip the narrative altogether, but that's a different topic for a different podcast. <laughs> right. All right. So we how to keep the rest of this conversation alive. <laughs> um, Admittedly, I got distracted by by looking at the stuff you have on of this light, and I'm and I I just realized, oh, he hasn't released as far as I've seen. Right? Oh no no no, <laughs> not at all. And so I'm like, oh geez, they haven't even seen that yet. Yeah. Oh god. No, I, um, I've got a the next update's coming on the thirtieth. Um. I'm trying to decide if I want to do one after that or just make the next one really long. I mean, we'll we'll see. Um, pacing's going to change a bit. But yeah, you know, you're, you're way ahead of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I've been building up a backlog. I mean, it's like what I said at the beginning of this month is that like, oh, wow, the, the last Saturday of the month is the last day of the month. I have all month to work <laughs> on this. Yeah. So, excuse. You have You have the <laughs> remainder of this week. Yep, and like I, I have my update ready to go. Essentially, you know that um, the, the the number theory says there's always an infinite number of numbers between any two given numbers because you can take the space between any two numbers and cut it in half, and then you cut that yeah. space in half. It's it's the same thing with procrastinators in time. You know, there's always more time <laughs> if you frame it the right way. It's like I don't have to start working on yeah. this until halfway to the deadline. If you do that, you never have to start working on it. <laughs> Except time actually ends up getting to that point. 
Yeah, but you don't, so, you know, <laughs> it's Einstein's fault. Just push back the deadline if you've gotten too close to actually <laughs> cut it in half at that well, point. Well, yeah, if you'll be practical, but sure. Yeah, see, I actually, like, I did have a bit of a week there where I didn't get anything done on the comic, because I'm just like, wow, I am so far ahead. There's really no point of me working <laughs> on anything right now. I'm so awesome, I don't need to do anything. Yeah, but then it caught up. I'm like, wow, I could have used that week and gotten even further ahead and maybe just made the update <laughs> bigger in the first place. Uh, I'm a creative <laughs> god. Please. <laughs> Well, I a lot of it is me like figuring out how to do this better because I like you know actual manga authors. What is it, fifteen pages a week? Jesus Christ! It's taken me like a month for. <laughs> I think I'm it's taken me a month for that same number of. Yeah, pages. but that's their job. They don't have to stop oh, doing yeah. that to go do a job. That is. <laughs> He's job. like, you don't understand. I want it to be my job, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Actually, from what I understand, you don't. I mean, that, that's. I think. Oh they, yeah, no. They get overworked like ridiculously, but. I do want my writing and my art to to sustain me as my thing. And that's why I set up the Patreon that Gary is donating to. And (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Well, you gotta die Um, first. (laughs) Well, I mean, for the record, Kyle, it's not even a complete donation for me. (laughs) Because we collaborate, too. And so it's yeah. it's it's closer to payment, <laughs> a very meager like, payment, um, considering what I also give you. Uh, especially because I still owe you like uh, I don't know, like at least thirty four bucks for giving me the theme for, for this <laughs> podcast. Just choose a random arbitrary number. <laughs> podcast <laughs> themes are worth I, uh, I don't know thirty four bucks and some change. <laughs> That's the going rate. I. For the record, I think it's worth quite a bit more, but like that's just at our current levels of skill and popularity. That's that, that was <laughs> that's the first number that came yet. to mind. At least now you can um, call yourself a professional. <laughs> well, I do like um, you know, one thing I am trying to do is I'm trying to, I'm trying to get myself more out there. Mm-hmm. I and I think this month with this update, I'm really going to do that. I mean, like. Uh, I, I got some unexpected Twitter popularity earlier in the month because I did some <laughs> fan art for Podquisition, which is, it's a video game, uh, well, it's a video game podcast, and I just, um, it's it's with Jim Sterling, and he's got a game coming out called Jim Sterling's, like, official licensed video game adventure <laughs> or something like that, and I found out that he wasn't actually going to be the playable character. It was going to be this uh, other uh, game reviewer named uh, Laura Kate, and I'm like, well, if he's not the player character, the only possible role he could have is the villain. <laughs> and so I got this like really good um, composition in my head, and I made that into fan art, kind of used it to practice for some of the work I'm doing for my comic, and posted mm-hmm. that on Twitter. And then Laura retweeted it, and then I got a lot of follower follows and likes and retweets, and, and now uh, said Laura is now following me, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> now arrived. I'm like, but, but... Now I'm just really self-conscious of everything I post on Twitter because I feel like it needs to be, like, because <laughs> somewhat I, I I actually like admire their work is now watching. <laughs> I mean, it's not like their stuff is particularly highbrow. <laughs> it's just it's like I, I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, like, it's just I, I don't mean that as an insult. It's just like 
she made her career talking about video game butts. So it's just yeah. like it's not like I have to worry or be self conscious because but... <laughs> you're just making <laughs> this worse still... for yourself, Kyle. Stop <laughs> digging the hole. <laughs> I'm already I'm already too deep. I might as well keep digging till I come out the other side of the world. You just think your current level of skill got oh you there in the first place. In the hole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? Sure. Run with it. <laughs> oh my god. Then I like I, I plan on like sending my comic out to a few other like to a few comic artists and writers that I like and just being like senpai notice me and hope that <laughs> I can get some feedback or some stuff. That's great. <laughs> That's great. You you've had some amazingly serendipitous you know whether digital or physical stumbling across the paths of others though. I do. Oh yeah. I Oh, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but like there was just a couple of months ago, I went to a concert with my favorite musician and long story short, ended up getting invited to the after party at his houseboat with Amanda Palmer also there. And I'm, I, we recorded the backing vocals for one of her songs. So oh, I'm technically it. in an Amanda Palmer song. <laughs> uh, and that was, jealousy. that was a pretty magical night. <laughs> and then I, I was also in the uh, same, like I, I went to a, live show actually gary was there for this too we went to a live show for welcome to night vale and <laughs> due to a scheduling error we ended up in a hotel like two hours north of the actual show which happened to be the same hotel the entire cast and crew was staying in probably to avoid fans <laughs> so yeah and i also met my mom's favorite author just randomly at a um uh like a book fair once and got a signed copy of her book for my mom so that was pretty cool i mean this this stuff just kind of happens to me a lot and i think it's the universe telling me that like i i can like i, I am allowed to interact with these people but i still have a hard time not like just you're allowed you... yeah well yes at we, least you we can come, come into the first class car it's okay at least with the jason webley the houseboat party thing like i was able to make coherent sentences the night feel <laughs> thing that didn't happen that was just like that was oh just squeaks. Well, now you've like, I don't think I've... Hi! Yeah, I don't think... I love your work! <laughs> oh my I god! I don't think I've been that pathetic. I don't think I've been that pathetic since the first time I tried to ask a girl to a dance. <laughs> I just, I, I, you, you mean before she ripped dance? your heart out and moved across the country? Well, yeah, necessity. You don't ask her after that. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> well, you know, then Kyle discovered Skype and cell phones. Uh-huh. And she discovered a fiance. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there. So there's that. <laughs> Love Lord past hashtag. <laughs> um, have we talked to like and to a lot more to to guesting things and and you know how what the business end of that looks like? Because we have not talked at all about the business end, as far as I know. Uh, you mean like monetarily, or do you mean just like how do you structure things? How do you get people working together? How much is your worth? Uh, if if does it is is volunteering and stuff okay? Do people need to be paid? <laughs> I think volunteering. I do think volunteering is okay, especially like in the starting stages of things. But it like at some point, if it's um well. It's kind of a level of 
what the what the product is worth versus what the guest is worth. Um, <laughs> like, I almost think that some of the like I don't know if the people who do Night Vale like pay the people who do the weather at all. But I'm not sure they would necessarily... Like, I think an argument at least could be made that the people who give the weather the rights to their weather music don't need it because Night Vale is, would be such a boost to their... Yeah. Um, just their, their known quantity. Like, um, there's a lot of musicians I wouldn't listen to if I hadn't heard them on Night Vale. Jason Webley, my current favorite <laughs> musician, right. I found through Night Vale. Mm-hmm. Um and and so like when something has that big of a um, a reach compared to say one of some of the indie musicians they get out then the, the the volunteer versus paid thing kind of evens itself out what, what, because it becomes free advertisement. What kind of occurs to me, and I think this it might be somewhat of an analog, probably not perfectly, is um, serialized fiction based on you know things like the Star Wars novels or Star Trek novels or even just regular serialized fiction, AD and D universe stuff. A lot of what happens there is is that they all the people who run that will will hire an author to come in whether because they've seen their other stuff or maybe I don't know how they all do it I don't I don't think most of them have necessarily open submissions I think they take yeah I think that's how Star Wars does it at least is um yeah they they get hired from their other work yeah but then they eventually they have them as a, almost some of them I think are in house stable of writers almost like the old studio system and and so they get paid you know a certain amount. Per book, but and it's not very much, I, I I think. But then, of course, that gives their name out a lot, and it's very well. It, it's a built-in wide audience to get their yeah. get their name out, and then and their own you know their own stuff apart from that. And of course, that pays back dividends. Right. Um. Which is an interesting kind of collaboration too, because each author in there is writing with his own voice, and he's writing in his. For a large part of the story, I mean, they give them what to write, but there's still a large part of it is up to them. But you're writing into a universe with certain instructions. You know, we want a story where this happens and that happens. But then you get to kind of run with it to a certain extent. And of course, the voice is always going to be your own. And a lot of them, uh, I mean, create characters that become like bigger foundational parts of those universal stables. So there's, there's an interesting level of collaboration and constraint there. Yeah, I do know. I think it's the what I read the Legacy of the Force series for Star Wars, and that was interesting because that was nine books, three authors, and uh, you know they had a rotation where, uh, you know, like each one would do a book and then they do another cycle and then the third cycle, and some had focuses on characters. While there was like there were a couple characters that were present throughout, then they were they each had their own kind of set of side characters. Like, I know Karen Travis had Boba Fett and the Mandalorians, and so whenever her books came in, they were, you know, there was a big focus on the Mandalorians, and yeah. um, I, someone had Mara Jade, who's Luke's wife, and I can't remember what the, who the third person had, but, uh, and then all three, like, all of the books had a focus on Jason Solo and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Skywalker. So, um, and I, yeah, I yeah. kind of always pictured how they well let me finish this up like i always pictured like the project started with them all sitting in a boardroom talking about what happens and then they all have yeah. the creativity in the how yeah at that point the writing becomes more of an expression of an idea rather than the construction of the idea which you could do in, in, a, in a collaborative writing setting you could have one person sort of designing you know very 
you know, much have the designing of the plot happen by one person, which frees the author in that case to, to focus more on how this plot is expressed and how these characters are expressed and, and the details of how to execute that, which is in a way kind of freeing. You know, I, I think back to that story where Matt Peake told me just to write out mermaids. You know, I, was, I had been kind of a, a funk in my writing at that time just because I could never really decide what to write on. And every time I tried to write something, it was bad. And it was, you know, I, I could never get something together. But once somebody says, no, you have to do this, then you kind of throw that whole that whole struggle out the window. It's like, well, if it has to be this, let's just do the best job I can do with this and not worry about if it's good or not because it has to be this anyway. So I wonder if there's actually some kind of freeing nature in collaborative writing where if somebody is... is very much dictating, you know, the book has to be about this. And then you, you, they just give you a set of constraints. And in that case where constraints can actually be fertile ground to, to free you to not worry about those other elements and then just, just do what you do best. The only thing better than writing without restrictions is writing with restrictions. <laughs> yeah. So that, I think the collaborative process is... is um, one means by which restrictions can be introduced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I, Gary, uh, back when I was still in Indiana, we would occasionally spend nights in the library on a whiteboard just storyboarding for yeah. things, and some of the projects you know, never came to fruition at all, but some did. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, we come up with that plan, and then we take turns building upon different facets of it mm-hmm. hmm. i i yeah i remember that and i mean oh geez my own projects are so early and i need to give them more time <laughs> i want to <laughs> do more stuff like this <laughs> yeah and, that, and that's collaborative plot building but that's yeah. at the same time you're both collaborating collaborating on the same role on the same part of writing I was thinking more of something like where, where one person has complete charge of one facet of it, and that creates, in its essence, constraints on the other person doing their part. Right. Kind of like uh, writing a TV show, too, yeah. when you think about it. Because hmm. you have the creator, and then you have the people doing the individual episodes. And again, they I imagine they all have some hand in the Yeah, I think a lot of those are, are very like round table written type of thing, but then somebody, you know, gets to take the ideas they come up with and actually do something with it. That's when you get down to the media. Yeah. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You only go so far with this as actually doing it and figuring out, oh, all the things I thought this would be are mm-hmm. it's not that. <laughs> well, uh, I think we've kind of ran out of things for this conversation uh, but you know, just for a little bit more time has anyone uh, read anything interesting recently? Have I read any? Um, or or read, experienced, whatever Really watched. interesting arguments between people about how math should be taught to <laughs> elementary school kids you know, the whole simplifying <laughs> fractions thing, apparently people get snooty about it, it's not really mathematically necessary it's just a practical thing we do and I think a lot of people are saying it's way over taught and it's really unnecessary when we teach it so, be prepared. That's gonna give me blood in the streets. Oh God. Okay. No, I think. <laughs> I think the most interesting thing I did, um, just over the past week, anyway, was uh, we had shout night, uh, the last one of of the semester, and uh, 
I, I read from an exercise, actually, that, that, that uh, a very early exercise with stories for monsters of, you know, putting us all in the woods with the knock and then seeing, you know, what everyone does and then seeing if there are commonalities in that to... Uh, I have to a quick question. Um, if they're in the woods, what is being knocked on? That's a very good point. That is exactly <laughs> the point. Why is there a knock in the forest? That because it, I at least when I was explaining it to to friends and I I didn't explain this enough in in the actual story, but when I was explaining with the exercise, I was like, so you have a character sitting by a fire in the forest, and uh, and they hear a knock, and it's not like a knock you would expect to hear in a forest. It's it's like a it's like, like a knock on a door. It's uh. Okay. That kind of knock. That's what you. <laughs> that's what you heard. <laughs> okay. Well, that satisfies my question. I mean, I don't know, Kyle. If you want, if you want me to read something, it's like it's two pages. It's the beginning of a story, which is I realize very, very not satisfactory, <laughs> and it's also Go very, it. very rough. But oh, okay, fine, fine. It's like playing half a scale. <laughs> it's just well, uh, well, well, we'll use uh. We'll use the last couple of minutes to read the last the, the first two pages of an exercise, a very early exercise. <laughs> D- depending on how good and or bad this is, this can be where one of us does. <laughs> God, I th- you know, it, you know, it could be. It was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and read this. <clears throat> Lucas peered past the fire into the surrounding wood, searching for signs of life. Knock. The wood resounded again. He opened his mouth, but it still had too many s'mores. The statement came out less as a recognizable inquiry, more as a confused series of grunts. The knocking continued. Lucas flushed the graham crackers down his throat with milk and grabbed the dusty kerosene lantern beside his chair. It flickered as he skirted the campfire, his back hunched forward to give his neck another inch beyond the camp, into the brush and wood. Hello? he said. His voice cracked. It was not unlike a needle pricking a finger. The knocking paused. Lucas went into the woods. Knock. Knock. The sound was only a few feet away. Knock. To the left, perhaps? Knock, knock. Left and up. Lucas looked back as the campfire dwindled into the other eye glimmers behind him. The knocking was closer now, behind two rotted trees entangled beyond repair in a morbid lover's embrace. Lucas climbed through the brambles beside them, holding his breath against the musk of decomposition and fungus. The knocking waited for him. "'Who's there?' Lucas whimpered. "'Just this way,' replied a remote, metallic voice. The beginning of every syllable sounded as if it were going through a grinder." Lucas shivered. He opened his mouth, and he closed it. He opened it again, but nothing came out. "'Come here,' said the voice. It was female now, and not metallic. "'Just this way.' It cooed, and then it knocked again. Three knocks, then again, then again. He moved forward to peer into the clearing, the basin behind the trees, Come here, 
said the voice from the midnight-lit clearing. Lucas stopped. Where are you? Just this way, said the clearing, the branches above it swaying with sleeping birds and watching bats. The knocks sounded again. Three tones pushed his feet forward in low, scraping steps downward into the basin. Lucas looked back, but the flames were no longer visible. He looked forward to the clearing. Where are you? Come here, she cooed again, just this way. Her voice was like milk and lies and honey. Lucas stepped to the edge of the clearing. There were three more knocks, then the woods were silent. There were no crickets, no bugs, no howls, no chirping bats, no snoring bears. The midnight-lit clearing was absolutely silent. And that's as far as I got on that exercise, so ha-ha! It's like a horror movie where we never get to see the monster do anything. (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine like there's some really incredibly, you know, horrendous looking beast that just needs help with some menial task. (laughs) I can't reach this. Could you get it for me? (laughs) I have stubby little arms. (laughs) As you can see, these claws are not great for untying shoes. Could you help me? <laughs> I've got a thorn in my paw. <laughs> oh, just not and it's so gonna be like it's gonna like like turn this horrible monster into like a pitiful <laughs> teddy bear. I've got a thorn in my paw. Help me. <laughs> Nobody will help me because I'm so scary with it. And then when you pull the thorn out it eats you. Of course. Because. <laughs> it's like an anglerfish, the thorn's not actually real, it's just Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly how this all works i've i i must admit i've 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 written i i've written the rest of the i don't read it good (laughs) i've i've written the rest of the story and i i just want to i just want you guys to know that you that you nailed it right on the head I've got a thorn in my paw, and I can't untie my shoes. And, and that shelf is way too high. And it eats you. And then it eats you. Everything. All of it. At once. That's how the best stuff happens, right? You take all your best ideas, and you put it in one word. So they say, do. They say, don't hold back your good ideas. Just use them up. I'm not sure these are good ideas. <laughs> They're ideas. That's that's step one, right? You can't have a good idea until you have an idea. Yeah, that's true. Purely by default, which is always the best way to win. <laughs> All right, so I think it's about time we wrap up. Um, before we go, all right, all right. Before we go, do either of you have any projects you want to talk about, or or where uh, people can find them? Well, there's this Hemingway thing, but I'm waiting <laughs> on the guy to get back to it. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> Take move. <laughs> I haven't um, actually started on anything. What you think? I I did peruse about the titles, but I didn't come up with anything yet. So, <laughs> so we have dropped as many balls as you have as you have dropped. <laughs> nah. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's see. All, all always there's my uh, my Twitter, which is you know just GB McDaniel three. 
Um, and of course, there's let's see, there's my WordPress, gpmcdaniel3.wordpress.com. I, I just mainly post updates and sometimes critique things. Um, the biggest thing right now is honestly just uh, the late letters, which you can also check out at uh, thelateletters.wordpress.com, and those come out every month, and uh, and Kyle contributes to those. So, that's cool, and you should do that. Alright, and I'm Kyle Newbridge, and you can find my uh, stuff at kylenewbridge.com, or my comic of this light at ofthislight.kylenewbridge.com. You can also support me or this show through Patreon. Uh, just type in Patreon slash Kyle Newbridge, and I think it comes up, maybe. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, we'd love your support. And until then... Oh, my God, what's that? No, 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 no. Kyle died. It's a... Uh, what? what? I think Wait. one of his exes snuck up on him. Oh, oh no! You know what happened? Is that not having a heart thing finally caught up with? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kyle. I swear to God, I'm not cleaning this up again. <laughs> Get your ass back in your chair. I don't care if you're in zombie form or not, as long as you clean up any fallen parts too. But I'm not doing this again. Somebody's got to finish this comic, and I can't draw. And Gary's in Indiana. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Uh. We're gonna we're gonna learn necromancy and we'll bring Kyle back in the next episode. Until then, later guys. It'll be a happier podcast over.